What's up, guys? AJ here. I'm going to recap UFC 251 from top to bottom, just share my general thoughts. And uh, what an event it was, um, and it really started off with really the first fight of the night, uh, as it was awesome between uh, Kai Kamaka the third and Tony Kelly. This was a really fun back and forth fight. Uh, you know, just really action packed back and forth fight of the night uh, candidate, no doubt. These two just threw down for three rounds, and Tony Kelly, despite um, you know being very inactive in terms of his uh, professional mixed martial arts career in, in recent bouts. Put on a really good performance, and I think he could have won the fight had he not jumped guillotine in round three. It was an action-packed back-and-forth fight. Both men had to dig deep. Uh, Kelly showed really crafty work in the clinch. Uh, Kamaka showed really sharp technical boxing. Both guys threw in a lot of volume. Both guys uh, per ESPN right now actually landed each 114 significant strikes, so very cool. Kamaka was able to get his wrestling going and landed five takedowns. So it was a hard-fought 29-28 uh, decision in favor of Kai Kamaka. Kelly looked like the fresher guy down the stretch, but again, uh, that going for the guillotine in round three uh, just looked to be an inexperienced mistake. Uh, this is a gentleman who, just like Kai, it is his UFC debut, and he is very uh, you know, inexperienced in terms of pro MMA. This was only his eighth. Uh, professional bout and so that's just something i think that he's just going to learn from and apply uh going forward you know make sure that he doesn't do that as i, I just believe it was more so an inexperienced thing um and, and you know got caught up in the moment so to speak and, and wanted to go for the guillotine choke so um these two guys definitely uh you know earned their stay in the U ufc so to speak these two were making their UFC debuts, and I just thought they both uh, put on a very good fight. The next fight was Parker Porter taking on uh, Chris Daukas. This was a really good fight here, two heavyweights. And, yeah, Daukas, the brother of Kyle Daukas, who just fought recently against Brandon Allen, uh, went out there, landed a couple knockdowns in the first round, was able to finish the job there. Uh, later on in the fight at the 4-minute, uh, 28-second mark, really good effort uh, by uh, Chris here. Parker, um, you know, my read on him prior to tape was he was the more technical, more defensively responsible striker, but uh, Chris was able to make up for it here with uh, speed. He definitely did have the speed advantage um, and was definitely able to, I think, you know, just uh, have a better uh, showing defensively than, say, his tape uh, did in the past. You know, I noticed in some of his past fights, he, he came with more of a brawling style, which, you know, somewhat he did in this UFC debut, but, you know, in a more conservative way, if that makes sense, you know, he definitely... Um, you know, was a lot more selective with his shots, wasn't as willing to just walk forward and, um, you know, just basically try to win the fight exclusively by knockout, you know, focused on um, being selective, making good decisions, stuff like that. So it's nice to see Chris come in um, and look sharper uh, than his, uh, you know, tape pre-UFC suggested. The next fight, Ashley Yoder taking on uh, Lavinia Souza to open up the prelims. Um this was uh, an interesting one because I expected Lavinia here to wrestle a bit more. She, you know, got credited for one takedown, but she didn't really uh, persistently pursue takedown attempts as, as much as I thought she would. You know, uh, Yoder definitely did do a good job of uh, stuffing a couple takedowns. She definitely uh, did a good job of, of taking the back and, and holding her own and even threatening the uh, very high-level uh, BJJ practitioner in Lavinia. I was actually pretty surprised, to be honest with you, that this – this scoring was not a split. I think the case can be made that Yoder won the fight. Um, I think Lavinia was landing the harder, cleaner shots, but Yoder was definitely uh, being more busy. Um, she was having, you know, more success at distance, which makes sense because she's a longer woman. Um, so uh, going forward, I do think that uh, obviously both women uh, are, are definitely, you know, 
good to stay in the UFC. I think, I think Yoder, uh, we could see her in, in a different matchup. Um, she's just had some tough luck. Unfortunately, she's coming off a, a split decision loss prior to this fight against Randa Marcos, a fight that again, you can argue she won just like this one, even though the scorecards did not say, uh, or did not say it was a split. It was a unanimous decision for Lavinia Souza. So, um, it was a hard fought fight. Um, really good effort by both ladies here. And, uh, yeah, the next fight, TJ Brown taking on Danny Chavez. Right away, I would just like to say for Danny Chavez, it's nice to see that we actually have some tape on him now. Um, he was just so hard to find tape on. I was only able to find like one fight of him in 2015, and obviously that was a while ago. But then again, it was really all that I had to work with that and like Instagram and like, you know, it, a 15 second knockout victory in the first round was basically all I was working with here. Um, so it was just kind of hard to assess him as a fighter. Um, but that said, um, he looked really good. I mean, his defensive wrestling looked in check. Uh, the striking certainly checked out. I thought he showed a lot better cardio in this fight than say he did in that fight against 2015, which is again, is like, duh, cause it was five years ago, but still didn't really have much to go off of. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was even able to take Brown down. I mean, it's crazy. Um, you know, Brown was, I, I think prior to the fight, the party more likely to land takedowns, but uh, it's crazy that, that shot is what was actually able to work in wrestling too. And I actually went four or four per ESPN.com in the, in the fourth round there. Um, you know, Chavez is another one of these gentlemen from MMA masters, just like Miguel Baiza definitely made their mark in 2020. So um, that that's definitely a camp that uh, I'm, I'm looking, looking at. I'm sure others are too. Uh, those, those guys are obviously very talented and uh, you know, young in respect to their mixed martial arts careers. Excuse me. So yeah, this was just a, I thought a really stout performance, a very defensively responsible performance by Chavez was actually able to, um, stop the fight a couple different times, once via calf kicks and the other, um, you know, via uh, head strikes there in the second round. So I just thought Chavez put on a really clean uh, performance that, you know, showed like good round winning, good awareness, et cetera. It just showed a good, well-rounded mixed martial arts performance. So very good debut for Danny Chavez. Uh, Felice Herrick taking on Verna Jandaroba. This was just uh, pretty interesting because like Verna is a woman who prior to this fight, obviously only had two fights in the UFC. So it was I guess difficult in that sense to tell exactly like the type of fighter she is just because we don't know, like, you know, we don't have, you know, like a ton of UFC footage of her, right? Like people aren't exactly aware of like where her ceiling is prior to this fight, but uh, she's shown like these past two fights that she could submit women that are even very difficult to submit, you know, prior to this fight, Felice Herrick had never been submitted in professional mixed martial arts competition. She was submitted on tough. Yes. Uh, but still never submitted in professional mixed martial arts competition. Uh, and, and the same goes for Mallory Martin, another woman who's a very solid grappler, um, never had been submitted in pro M MMA competition prior to facing Verna. And Verna was able to submit them both. Uh, obviously, Harrigan and Martin are definitely skilled on the ground, but I, I'm just saying it's more so a compliment to how good Verna is. Verna is a very, very good uh, submission grappler. This woman is a finisher. Um, the vast majority of her wins are by finish. So Verna, the case could certainly be made that she is the most threatening uh, submission grappler in terms of the division. Um, obviously, you have Tatiana Suarez um, in there as well, who's obviously got the very accomplished wrestling background. Um, hoping to see her in the octagon soon. But uh, in terms of like purely uh, submission grappling, you know, passing the guard, getting the submission, I think Verna, the case could be made that she's she's at the top, right? And that's really saying something in a division like this. So. Um, you know, it was, it was tough for Herrick to come back after a, a layoff here and, and face a very, uh, strong woman. Um, but, uh, it is what it is, I guess, you know, Verna, it was the, 
one of the bigger favorites on the card and uh certainly she she went out there and looked like looked like it so uh good job for verna jandaroba the um you know the, the prelim headliner this fight was just awesome every bit of it you know these two gentlemen just uh, put on like a fight of the night candidate at the time i'm recording this i actually uh have not seen the uh, performance bonuses but um I, I would imagine that this one would be in consideration. You know, um, this fight was awesome. You know, uh, Jim Miller definitely had his moments. Both guys were just fighting so darn hard uh, for all 15 minutes. They were both tired. Uh, they were both showcasing really good grappling and striking. Uh, Miller definitely had a very good first round. But as the fight progressed, Pichelle was able to have more and more success with some uh, Miller moments mixed in there. Um, as Miller was able to take the back a couple of times, definitely had Pichelle in a, a couple deep submission attempts, definitely was threatening Pichelle a lot more with the sub attempts than vice versa. Whereas Pichelle was doing more, uh, you know, control ground and pound, um, stuff like that. So, uh, this was a hard fought battle. Um, I do think that, you know, Pichelle is, is like the, the winner, but I mean, make no mistake, like Miller, uh, fought so darn tough. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, recently has just been on a tear prior to this fight, right? You know, he, he's coming off that very nice win against Roosevelt Roberts coming off a fight of the night candidate with Scott Holtzman, uh, not too long ago. So Jim Miller has just been on a absolute uh, roll lately, you know, I mean, and this is his 36, um, UFC bout, you know, so with this octagon appearance, he actually has the record right now. Currently one fight ahead of Donald Cerrone. So uh, when Donald Cerrone, if he steps in the cage to fight Nico Price, when they're supposed to fight here soon, uh, they will be tied uh, yet again. Two truly savvy veterans of the game are Miller and Cerrone and Pichelle. Um, Pichelle, unfortunately, he's just um, been battling with injuries. Um, you know, he's had several layoffs throughout his career, but when the guy's in the octagon, he is such a treat to watch a very well-rounded mixed martial artist. Could wrestle he's a very good submission grappler he's definitely a good striker as well um so i hope that we could see pichelle here uh, more and more um as time goes on here because the guy really is a very talented fighter uh marab davalashvili taking on john dotson this was like i guess the first fight where marab didn't really get a, a ton of wrestling going here um when he did take uh, dotson down if dotson was able to get right back up it makes sense considering uh you know dotson's just a, a very fast elusive guy and he's also a strong wrestler himself um and so, yeah, I mean, Marab did what he needed to do. Again, he didn't, you know, have to rely or he didn't, um, you know, exactly be successful with the wrestling to win the fight here. Um, he he did a lot of his work in the clinch. Um, he just did. A, he was just a lot more active than Dotson. He was just pretty content to sit back and counter and find that, you know, perfect one shot uh, KO, which obviously didn't materialize. He definitely got his licks in. But uh, I do think that 30-27 in favor of Marab are the rightful scorecards as all, all three judges agreed with that. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense. Obviously Dotson was Marab's uh, toughest test to date. So this is a huge, a huge step in the right direction. I think for Marab, the guy's got a lot of talent. I think training with the likes of uh, Aljamain Sterling and other talented fighters um, is only going to go bode well for him for his career to come. I do have a matchmaking suggestion. I do think that we could see him, um, you know, face, uh, Marlon Vera, or even Sean O'Malley, right? I mean, he's been calling for Sean O'Malley. I personally think that Marab would be down to fight Sean, even coming off, uh, you know, a loss here. It kind of depends on how long Sean's going to be outright. Um, you know, he's unfortunate. I'll talk about that fight here in a little bit, but unfortunately, it looks like an injury. Don't exactly know how long he's going to be out for, but uh, perhaps Marab would be willing to wait. We don't exactly know, but uh, Marab's in a really good spot right now uh, with the momentum that he's on and, and coming off a good win. So, uh, certainly a hard fought battle for Marab. I saw a lot of people uh, cash tickets on Marab. So shout out to all of you that had uh, him as a bat. I saw he was one of the more popular bats. 
I actually was on the other side uh, of the bet. So kudos to all of you that cashed on Marab. And um, let's get into the next fight. We've got Herbert Burns taking on Daniel Pineda. This was uh, one where I just I could not uh, bet Pineda. Um, ultimately, the whole you know suspension thing just kind of made me not place the bet. I saw a f- I saw a few people on Twitter um, cash a bet on Pineda, which is awesome. That was such a good bet because the fight was really never in doubt. I mean, if you have conviction on a read and, and again, we, we all see tape through a different set of eyes, we all have a different perspective. And so that alone means that, you know, we're all going to make different decisions from one another. Right. And, and those of you that were, that were so brave as to, you know, bats Pineda, cause you truly believe that, that he was a good bat as a, as a big underdog. Kudos to you. The fight really was never in all that much doubt. I mean, yes, he got taken down. Yes. He got controlled for a bit. Um, yes, he definitely battled through adversity that that left eye um, definitely was damaged. But, uh, you know, the, the dominant performance he put on there in that second round, getting in, you know, the mounted crucifix position against Herbert Burns. I mean, this is a gentleman who is so accomplished in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but Pineda was showing that veteran savvy. I mean, there is a wide, wide mixed martial arts experience advantage in you know, between these two gentlemen, Burns had only fought is only uh, 12 professional mixed martial arts and fights in his career, whereas Pineda is 40. Right. So that's a wide age gap. And uh, yeah, Pineda just went out there and just did his thing. I mean, he was able to outwork, outlast, have the better cardio down the stretch. Um, despite the layoff, you know, despite Burns uh, being red hot in 2020. Um, and yeah, I mean, the guy just put on an absolutely awesome performance. So that is Truly awesome for Daniel Pineda. That is a huge um, way to make your entrance into the UFC again, because again, this is a gentleman who already had a stint with the UFC. Now he's he's coming in again, right? So um, kudos to Pineda. Kudos to everybody that bet Pineda. Happy for the guy. Um, Burns will be back. I just think that he needs to kind of refine his striking, his wrestling, and his cardio. And I know that sounds like a lot, but I am hopeful that that can get refined because of who he's training with. Again, his brother, Vincente Luque, others. Um, and, and where he's at in his mixed martial arts career. Only 14 pro MMA, MMA fights. Uh, there is still definitely room to improve, just like everybody else. Um, so we need to see um, how, how, I guess, Burns responds. I would like to see him take a few months off at least, polish up his game and see um, what he could do in the future. But um, the, the man with his hand raised here in Daniel Pineda absolutely put on a, a tremendous performance. So, again, that is awesome. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck taking on Junior Dos Santos. Yes, I mean, this was one where I just – I could not bet Dos Santos. I, I couldn't do it. Um, it, it, was, it was because of basically how the fight ended. Like, I thought Dos Santos was the better, sharper boxer with better defense. But basically, Jarzinho could at any point just land that big shot, right? Like, and it, it was – obviously, that's – I, I'm of I'm of the thought where like I think if I think a fighter in general has the opposition beat everywhere except for like a KO shot in itself, I'm more inclined to bet that fighter just knowing that that's just a risk that I'm willing to take. But in this particular matchup, when we have two heavyweights and we have Jorzinho Rosenstruck who has dynamite in his pant in his hands, even in his jab, like we saw early on in his you know first couple of UFC fights, I just could not place a bet on DeSantos. You know, because again, even even though Jerzino has that Rosenstruck, uh, that uh, that Rosenstruck, <laughs> even though he has that power, um, I got to couple that with the fact, right, that you know he's coming off two stoppage losses via strikes to to Blades and Ngannou, right, who obviously are very talented fighters, but again, 
in terms of the durability, and you couple that with the fact of how hard Jarzinho uh, hits, it made me pull back on it. So, yeah, basically Junior was winning the fight up until Jarzinho landed the big shot, um, and that's exactly what he did. Kudos to everybody on Jarzinho. Um, I saw a lot of you out there that, that bet him. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, anytime your your, your guy that you back uh, gets a finish, I mean, that that's that's got to feel good, right? You know, your guy wins convincingly um, and, and, and out of the next one, as they say, right? Um, but uh, I would just say just enjoy. Just enjoy the moment. I, I don't, you know, for, for me personally, I don't want to just, you know, move on to the next thing right away. Just enjoy the moment, um, you, you know, be happy about it. And, and then when the time comes, just, uh, you know, approach the next thing. Um, so yeah, just everybody that, that cash these bets, just enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You don't have to, you know, focus right away on the next card. Just enjoy, enjoy the moment and, uh, just realize that you did a great job and, and, uh, you're happy with the decision that you made because it paid off. The hard work certainly paid off. Um, this next bout, Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. This is one that I think I'm actually going to go a, a bit about. Um, so basically, I, I just had a realization recently. Okay, so I think why people overreact in MMA much more than, say, other sports, you know, basketball, baseball, football, because of the range in which the games or bouts are played, right? Football, we have a game every Sunday, right? Except for bye weeks. But for the most, you get what I'm saying. 16 weeks out of an NFL season or however many weeks in college football, even though, again, it's, you know, it's kind of up in the air for this season, but you get what I'm saying in general, it's, it's once a week, right? We get, we get a new, we get a new game every week, right? Same thing with basketball. You know, you get a new game every day for the same team or, or every couple days, you know, depending on how they travel. Right. And so we get that fresh, you know, the nuggets lose to the Dallas uh, where they're a big favorite one day. Um, then they go on two days later, they're a big underdog to the Lakers and they win by 20 points. And it's kind of like, you know, basically like, the Nuggets are as good as we projected them out to be or ESPN projected them out to be or whoever. They, they've got like basically we're, we're more inclined to believe that the market value of these teams is correct than say MMA. I personally feel because we see these fighters fight infrequently. I mean, once every few months on, on average, once every four, four or five months, six months on average. Um, obviously with these times, we've got some fighters with quick turnarounds, but you get what I'm saying in general, we've got some fighters that are fighting infrequently once every few months. And I think that we overreact to a performance that a fighter recently had because of that reason. That's the most recent thing that we we remember them doing, right? Is, is they won by KO or they lost by KO or they got subbed, right? It's, it's fresh in our minds, right? That what just happened. Whereas again, going back to my every, previous example, in, in, say, the NFL, um, you know, you, you got the Baltimore Ravens, say, that, let's just pretend they're, they're on a streak. But then, um, you know, they, they lose to a team that they're projected to beat. They're like a two-to-one favorite. But then the following week, they have a, a competitive game with the Patriots. It's back and forth in overtime, whatever. We're more, I guess, again, inclined to be um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, – you know, think that the market assessment of these teams and their records and, and our perceived value of the team is is kind of uh, right on and we're, we're more forgiving, uh, for lack of a better word, in terms of like a win or loss. We're, we're less inclined to overreact because, again, we've got the same team playing a week later in the case of football or in the case of basketball the next day or in the case of MLB the next day or a few days after. The point is it's, it's happening a lot more frequently. But in MMA, when a fighter goes out there, 
and performs, whether it's a good performance, a bad performance, a mediocre performance, whatever, whatever you want to classify it as, that's the last thing you remember for a few months, right? Again, with, with some exceptions, with some fighters having quick turnarounds. And I'm saying that right here, right now, because Sean O'Malley right here was, I personally feel the biggest hype train in in the UFC, right? He had the most hype out of him out, out of all the prospects. Not not in terms of, you know, I, I'm not saying he's like a bigger sell right now than Jorge Masvidal or Conor McGregor. That's not what I'm saying. In terms of like prospect hype, hype train, right? It's Sean, right? The way he carries himself, his gimmick, uh, how he's been performing, like his, he's got a, a, a unique look to him, right? There's so much to like about Sean O'Malley. There's so much um, going in his favor. But when people see him lose with that hype, it's it's like the hype is completely off, right? I mean, it's 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 like it's gone for some people. I'm not trying to say that's everybody, but that's kind of like the consensus on on some parts, right? Some people think that oh well, because he lost in a spot where he was a big favorite. Yes, people acknowledge that Vera was live, but because you know Sean maybe lost in the way he did, or or, or got injured again with his leg, like he did against Sukumta, that he's not who we thought he was. But in reality, I'm not. The, the guy is still super talented. It wasn't his night. He got, you know, looked like he got a little bit of in, little bit injured there, and he'll come back again. This guy is super young, super talented. One loss does not define a fighter's career. This guy is super, super talented. It was just Vera's night. Again, Sean, unfortunately, got injured. But, again, I would like to reiterate that people will see that this went down as a TKO-KO loss in favor of Vera and, and think, like, oh, it, you know, Sean O'Malley lost after he got all that hype. Therefore, I, you know, you're overreacting to it basically like it's that's just not the case. I don't see it like that. I, I want to, you know, bring that to your attention because it's something that, you know, I I did in the past. Right. I, I was guilty of doing that. And and that's just it's just not fair to, to say that a fighter um, can't re- reach their protect their potential after one loss or one performance that you didn't think was. Uh, what what you would hope for, right? I mean, this guy is super freaking talented. I'm telling you that right now. He checks so many boxes. It just wasn't his night, and we get to see him again in the future. I hope he recovers. I wish Sean O'Malley the speediest of recoveries. I hope he recovers 100%. I want to see him back in there again as soon as possible. But again, health and safety first. He will recover. He will be back. He will sharpen up his skill set. And honestly, a loss might even be the best thing for him. It might force him to go back to the drawing board and, and get even more motivated, right? Um, the guy was already hungry as it is, but maybe he needed a little extra fuel, right? Maybe he needed to um, go back and, and do some other things. And obviously, you know, injuries happen and, and they're unpredictable and they're kind of variance-based. But again, the point I'm trying to make is, a loss might be the best thing for him and that we shouldn't overreact to one loss to a fighter or one performance that we didn't think was, you know, quote unquote good. Um, that's the point I want to bring up on the Vera side. I'm super happy for the guy. This is a guy that has been ever improving since the, the since the inception of his UFC career. I mean, the improvements that Marlon Chito Vera has made since the very beginning of his UFC career has been honestly just tremendous. I mean, just, just tremendous. Like, this is a gentleman who has just been streaking lately. And, and, you know, obviously people think that he beat Song Yudong. That's fair. I mean, it was a very competitive fight. But regardless, this guy has been on such a tear and, and such a hardworking guy that's ever improving. And then he said in his interview after, he's going to be back in the gym tomorrow. Like, I believe the guy. Like, this is like a hardworking guy that deserves, like, a lot of recognition, I think. I mean, this is a guy who 
just does not get discouraged. He will be in your face for all three rounds. And he's just a hardworking guy that I honestly would hope for the best for Marlon Vera. I hope he gets another big fight next. The guy earned it. This is a, this was a co-main event spot where again, he was a big underdog going up against a, a very compelling guy in Sean O'Malley and, and he won the fight at the end of the day. So really happy um, for, for Marlon. I wish the speediest of recoveries for Sean O'Malley. These two guys are both very talented even amongst the very talented fighters in this bantamweight division, I'm excited to see what the future holds for each of them, respectively. Two young guys that I think could get even better here based off their respective ages. So that's basically what I wanted to say. It's kind of a little bit of a rant, but I just I wanted to express it because it's it's something that so many people do in MMA. They overreact a lot. And again, I think it's because of it's the last thing you remember that fighter doing, you know, whether it was three months, four months, five months, six months ago, right? I'm not holding a loss against a fighter. Loss happens. It's just, you know, every fighter in, in mixed martial arts outside of like Habib, you know, eventually runs into that first loss if you run if you fight long enough, right? So the the best fighters even lose, right? You know, Conor McGregor, the, the biggest name in this sport, has a few losses on his resume, right? But he's been the biggest seller um, in the sports history. So again, it's it's not bad to lose at all a loss could honestly be better for a fighter remember justin gaethje you know he's coming off two losses to alvarez and poirier and look how he's looked since he's sharpened up his game tremendously so uh that's all i'm trying to say just rant is, is pretty much over on that uh the main event this was awesome uh, obviously i went on record and, and broke down this fight and i picked daniel cormier by decision Stephen miocic looked tremendous uh, he was able to hurt daniel there in the second round um i guess the perplexing part of this fight was Cormier not being able to mix in his wrestling more. And I saw a lot of people perplexed by that too on Twitter. And I get it. Like he, he got Stipe down. He couldn't control him, which again, might've discouraged him from taking Stipe down again. But I mean, I thought he would have attempted more than just two takedowns. Uh, Stipe was actually the one that, that technically per ESPN.com attempted more takedowns with six uh, compared to Daniels too. But uh I'm just a little surprised by that. Da Daniel definitely did some work in the clinch. He definitely uh, did a good job of utilizing some straight punches, was tagging Stipe. Um, and uh, it was just a fun back-and-forth fight. I mean, this was uh, just an awesome fight. I'm really happy for Stipe Miocic. Uh, this is two out of three times where he's beaten the great and powerful Daniel Cormier. Um, and uh, if this is, at the time I'm recording this, again, I'm not aware of if there's been any decisions made, but if this is, in fact – um, either of their last fights. I wish them all the best. These two guys are legends, you know, undoubtedly UFC hall of famers, UFC legends. Um, if Stipe still fights, if he does, again, I'm not totally sure if he does, but if he does, I, I hope he does, but if he does, um, honestly, I think, I think we could see him fight Jones next. I mean, I know that that's might not be what everybody wants to hear, but I'm just trying to say, um, from a monetary perspective, that might be what we see next, considering the circumstance of, you know, what more does, what more does Jones want to do at light heavyweight? I'm seeing reports of, you know, if he fights at light heavyweight again, he's got to fight against Reyes where if, if he moves up and fights Sipe, you know, he's fighting the only other man in professional mixed martial arts to defeat Daniel Cormier uh, twice. They, I mean, well, you know, Jones the second time was technically a no contest. Right. But I think that'd be a huge sell. And then that's nothing against uh, Francis Ngannou. Right. I mean, he, he definitely is the next man up at heavyweight right now in terms of momentum and in rankings and things like that. But 
based off the fact that Stipe already fought and beat Francis over five rounds, that might not be the fight the UFC makes. It might, it just might not. I honestly think that if Jones and Stipe are down for the fight, they would actually uh, prioritize those two fighting over Ngannou. And that sounds, you know, it, it sounds like kind of wrong because Ngannou uh, definitely has earned a, a, a shot again, um, but he might need to wait a little bit. I hope I'm, I hope I'm like kind of wrong. I hope I'm wrong with that. Like, I hope that maybe even we see uh, Nganu versus Jones, even though there was uh, obviously the negotiations didn't, you know, uh, materialize exactly how both parties wanted, but maybe something like that happens. Maybe, maybe something changed in the meantime, they're able to negotiate a bit better in terms of moving things in the right direction with the money. Um, there's a couple different ways to go, but again, it kind of just depends on, on the retirement status, right? I mean, honestly, at the time I'm recording this, um, you know, we, we might see them both, uh, both retire. I, I just don't know these things yet. Again, it, and even though they might not retire, say after the, say during the press conference here, uh, it still might you know come a few days after, right? I mean, we don't we don't know this stuff until um, I guess these guys have had some time to think about things. Um, but honestly, I think the, you know, I guess the most ideal scenario would be if both Stipe and, and Daniel retire, you you promote Francis to champ, or or you do a vacant belt between Francis and John. Uh, where hopefully they could work out the negotiations. That would kind of be like the perfect scenario, I think. You you finally get Francis competing for a belt uh, for somebody other that against somebody other. <laughs> I'm trying to say it against somebody other than Steve Miocic. There we go. Um, and John Jones. That would just be a huge sell, I think. I think either either fight, either scenario, Steve, uh, John, Francis, John, or even if you did do Francis Steve again, I mean, you could sell that too. I mean, you could sell that. You know seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because at the end of the day, the case could be made that Francis improved since this, the first Cipe fight. You know, he sharpened up his skill set. He said after the fact, you know, after fighting Cipe the first time, he's like, that's the most I've learned in, in my entire mixed martial arts career was from that loss. Um, and, and we're seeing Francis here, you know, get knockout after knockout after knockout against very high level guys. So I think you could sell that too. Um, so yeah, I, th I think there's a couple different ways you could go with with the heavyweight division. I'm just happy that finally we could we could see it progress. Um, you know, and, and you know, technically it was progressing before because it was a trilogy needed to be fulfilled. But in terms of like these other guys waiting in the waiting in the wings and and finally getting their shot, um, I definitely do think that we could see some um, some some title shots warranted here for you know, say Francis and Ganu. Um, so that should be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to see how things shake out as always. Um, the, the sport, the sport never ceases to amuse me. So, um, that'll do it on this breakdown. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and with that, um, uh, thanks for tuning in and have a nice day.